everyone, welcome to the podcast. We are back. I say we because it's very consistent now. It's Richard, Steve and Angela. Hello. Hello. Uh, rename it the Richard, Steve and Angela <laughs> show for a while. Um, and mm. yeah, I've, I've feel very nasal. Like I, I think I was, I went to see the Blazers. I think I was allergic to yeah. them losing. Like <laughs> I feel like I've got a sock wadded up on my oh like, right side of my sinuses today. Oh boy. So I'm going to keep sniffing through the podcast. Oh. That will be so special. It will be. It will be just <laughs> joyous. It's very seasonal. We're it nothing is. if not seasonal. You, they, everybody knows we are recording this in yes. the season of Snipples. Uh, How are you guys doing? Well, I'm feeling like I haven't had enough coffee this morning. <laughs> 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 so I'm suffering. I have an allergic to <laughs> caffeine withdrawal <Yeah>. almost. <laughs> So Angela, hold hold it together. This, I, this is like it's okay, all new today. It's, we're gonna just rely yeah. on the Lord. Oh, or everyone, be prepared mm. to listen to what will be very strange or very funny. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you never know what's gonna uh, happen. Yeah, and so we've been having these conversations alongside the Becoming Like Jesus series, encouraging everyone to read Luke along with our Sundays because we're doing a, a bit of the passage on Sunday, mm. and then we get to sort of sit in the rest of it the rest of the week and so our job again is to go through look for some highlights do a bit of orientation give you some handholds there's we're always going to bump into bits that wouldn't at first sight make sense because it's a different type of literature mm. and an ancient book from another culture mm. so Maybe yeah. pose some questions. Here. Yeah, pulling down some of those roadblocks, yeah. giving you giving you some ideas of things you might want to like a beginning of a thought to mm-hmm. go dwell on. And um, it's chapter six this week. Not all of chapter six. Um, it's up until verse thirty six because when we met as a teaching team, there's just so many big things in these chapters. We're like, okay. This is going to take more than a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll have to go and have a lie down and put a cold cold flannel on your head. And so, yeah, but we should do what we did the other weeks because um, I actually feel like this is one of those places where um, I wish the number six appeared in a different place. Yeah. Um, so we've got to do like a little recap, get in the flow, because some of the beginning of chapter six really is a continuation of some of the thoughts in chapter five. And so... I don't know if we need to go like all the way back. Um, otherwise, by the time we get to the end of this series of podcasts, our recap will take 20 minutes. Right. Um, but maybe we can like recap some of the big themes from like uh, from last week. So we get kind of set up, right? Yeah. And then we had Jesus calling his disciples. Um, and it's on the seashore. And the nets gets, there's a miracle of like a miraculous mm-hmm. catch. There's a kind of, getting attention god getting someone's attention and then their realization of seeing themselves in a certain light given the realization who jesus Mm. is and then jesus actually shedding fresh light on them and calling them on just that simple call yeah come follow me yeah and then they just did yeah so we had fun talking about some of our full net moments Mm -hmm. i remember like those like this is something God still does, gets our attention. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Does profound things. And then we had, uh, we had some healings and, uh, we talked about, um, uh, a, a ancient reader, like Luke's original reader would probably not have been like, Oh wow. A heal, a miracle. Because 
miracle. They had a bit more of a box for miracles. They would have been a bit more like, he touched who? Yeah, he exactly. said what? <clears throat> he was with whom? Mm-hmm. Like, So there's a sort of shocking nature as things mm. unfold here. Um, I think I titled the podcast um, Jesus, Agent Provocateur. That's right. Or something. So <laughs> that was. So we talked about some of those shocks mm. um, and things. And, and Jesus is starting to shake things up. Mm. And people are like, they're confused. Like they don't quite know what to make of him. Um, and, and this is like a normal thing. Like you take your expectations and then... Like that's your entry point to understand anyone or anything. It's the things you already know. Mm. And I was just talking to a couple, like this is like marriage 101. (laughs) You know, it's like you get married and you've dated a bit and you think you know each other, but mostly you kind of think your spouse is like you. And then you get married and start living together and you're like, oh, you're not like me. And then you actually have to learn each other. And so, yeah, there's this sort of dynamic going on where now the people around Jesus, which goes from like, the crowds, his disciples, Pharisees, teachers of the law, yeah. like all, all these different people are trying to figure Jesus out. Mm. Um, and we, we ended the last chapter with they had a question about fasting because the way Jesus did things was not the way they expected. Jesus had some things to show them through that. And now at the beginning of chapter six, we've got um, a sort of related issue because fasting was like, hey, if you're like a religious guy, like if, you, if you're like one of Yahweh's dudes as a rabbi, there's some things you should be doing. One of them's fasting. And then now it's another one. It's like, hey, if you and your disciples are like Yahweh dudes, what's up with the way you treat the Sabbath? So yeah. that's their next. So that's our entry mm. point now into this chapter. So I, I do the recap. Tag, one of you two's it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I see here these, these two incidents of on the Sabbath. Um, you know, first he's uh, he's out in the grain fields, and his disciples are grabbing something to eat, and, he, and the Pharisees sort of challenge that and say, "Hey, why are you doing that?" And then this, uh, then he heals on the Sabbath. He heals this man with this withered hand. And but I I love what you said at the beginning. This notion of I wish this you know chapter six wasn't in here because. I started to look at this and say, hold on a second. We've got in those last three cases, first we've got this unexpected people that he's touching the leper, healing the leper, calling these disciples, unexpected people. And the Pharisees are the one who aren't, are pushing back the most, you mm. know, um, they're pushing back a lot. Even so, And then he, that parable that we ended with last week about, you know, wineskins and repairing the old and new. He seems to be, he's, everything he's doing is he's teeing up these, you know, these provocations, like you said, to say, no, this is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And the old is, uh, you know, the old is, this is a new reality I'm speaking to you about, and it's different than what you thought. And you're going to have to let go of those things. And, and so then this, and, and so that's why I think in these two questions, First, he had this issue of fasting. You know, now he's kind of breaking down what the Pharisees, the tradition that everyone's been holding to, um, and he's definitely pushing 
this. Should yeah. we explain a little bit about the idea of Sabbath and how it relates yeah. to Jewish law and why yeah, this definitely. was so... Because yeah. that's not a cultural thing for us, Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so, I actually, even before we do that, I think it just, the way you're describing that reminds me, which is, this is like skipping ahead, but like Jesus later on will talk about like, I'm not destroying the law. Mm. I'm fulfilling it. Yeah. And so the new wine skinness is like, it's still about wine, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's just the way you contain these ideas, the yeah. way you interact with these things needs a shift. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, uh, and I guess that's what makes it hard for them. Cause if Jesus was like, yeah, I've come to found a new religion, scrap everything. I've got a whole bunch of new ideas. Um, they probably would have had an easier time interacting. And, mm-hmm. if, you know, it doesn't mean they would have interacted positively, but they would have known what box to put him in. Mm. But actually, he's doing something a little more nuanced, especially because their ideas betray that it, it's not Jesus is coming. Oh, what's the right way to say this? In their perception, Jesus is doing something radically new because they think they are like faithfully representing what God has already said. But actually what Jesus is doing is trying to actually trying to do some new things and also trying to help them understand that what you think is this is what Yahweh's done and said is through the lens that's kind of blinkered, that's distorted. And actually you've got mm, some mm. you've got some wrong ideas about actually Yahweh's expectations of his people and so he's having to sort of correct the past Mm -hmm. and do new at the same time so I I can sort of I don't know sometimes if people are like being Christians a long time they've read their Old Testament loads they feel like really au fait with all this stuff you know you can look at the Pharisees and be like oh yeah what a bunch of idiots like here they are again but I sort of have a bit more compassion and think I can understand cognitively and sort of in their traditions and things why what Jesus was doing, this is really hard. Yeah. Like this was a big ask for them. It's almost as if he's saying your idea of Messiah isn't actually, I am Messiah, but I'm not your idea of Messiah. And let me show you how. And, and it just kind of begs the question, you know, of how much we as followers of Jesus have our own construct of who he is, mm-hmm. um, this side of, of, of grace and, um, and how much is he trying to break in and say, your idea of me is, um, is good, but there's so much more. Yes. Um, and so that's where I see myself in this story yeah. a little bit, that mindset of the Pharisees, because mm-hmm. it is easy to just go, Oh, that was way back when, and they had no idea who Jesus was. Um, but, um, where are we in this story too? And even I think it's encouraging when we situ- situate ourselves in the story then to acknowledge Jesus's methodology because mm-hmm. he's challenging them. And at some points, like Jesus says some pretty radical, demanding, like stern mm. things to them. But this is unfolding over the course of three and a half years. And there's, Jesus also holds a lot of space for them to respond to build a relationship, to mm-hmm. be around him, to continue to ask questions. Like there's so much patience and grace in the way Jesus mm-hmm. interacts with them, as well as his ability to like be firm at points as well. 
but because it's a condensed, you know, we're getting this like condensed view of these years. It's easy for us to sort of have a storyline in our head of like, yeah, Jesus started doing cool stuff. The Pharisees didn't like it, and then they just killed him. It's yeah, like, well, not quite. No, it there was a, yeah, the relationship between them and Jesus went from questioning to spiky questioning mm-hmm. to you know it evolved over the course of years, mm-hmm. which is is then so encouraging. Like what you don't see Jesus doing in any of the Gospels is showing up, someone asking a question, and being like, "You idiot." Right, mm-hmm. his like, patience. Yeah, so once I situate myself <clears throat> in this story, then it also speaks over me. Wow, look at God's ability to like to try to get me to think, to try to unpack things, to try to stir things, to mm. keep wanting to have a meal with these people. You know, mm-hmm. like all of mm-hmm. these things. So it, it reminds me, even as you said, Angela, this notion of where do we fit in this story? Because it's easy, and something you said, Richard, it's easy for us to sort of look at these Pharisees super critically and whatnot. Mm. But I think once we do that and we have that point of view of, um, oh, they just got it wrong, et cetera, you know, we're almost assuming that same position. Yeah. That we've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Which is and, pharisaical. Yeah, and yeah. maybe we And don't, that would be so unusual for a Western culture you yes. know, to do that. <laughs> it never happens. <laughs> yeah. So back to Sabbath. Yeah, there we so go. here yeah. we are in chapter six. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess if we've, I'm, I'm trying to think, if you'd never read the Bible, what would you think Sabbath was? And it might mm. be like, oh, I remember that that was when shops were closed on Sundays. Mm. So it's like you couldn't buy stuff and you didn't go to work that day. The banks were closed. You couldn't do some chores those days. Mm. Um, so that's a, like that's a bit of it. It's like things, some things have to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I guess the, the twist on it is like what things mm-hmm. and why, which actually is going to be the two questions that Jesus then right. um, really tries to tease out for the Pharisees as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting because it, it all goes back to creation. Yeah. God did his creative work, but in like the way God wanted to present his own work which he then invites humans into like partner with and continue the unfolding of is he makes sure to explain like I did and then I rested. I enjoyed, you know, that like, and there was a rhythm to the way God did things. Um, As a model for the rhythm for us, not because God needed rest. So we're, we're invited not only into God's work Mm -hmm. to partner in his work, but also partner in his rest. Mm. And yes. even though God hadn't finished the work, mm. he still rests. So it's this profound thing of like, God wasn't done. God wasn't like, mm. okay, everything's finished. I can mm. rest. Because that's how mm. we typically mm-hmm. in the in America rest. We, we think rest is something we earn um, when everything's done. Yes. Um, and so like God's way of doing it was to intentionally tell or do it, but then ensure that the story yeah. got told in a way that made mm-hmm. clear, I wasn't finished, but I rested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pause button. Uh, and and the cycles of this, and then God establishes it like in the nation yeah. of Israel. He writes it into their laws and says, um, you know, it, because of what I have done, because of how I've operated, mm. you need to rest. And it's interesting, actually, because when God commands the Sabbath, 
it's there's two times the command appears once it points to genesis and says hey look at like this is what i did mm. but then the second time he points to the exodus mm. so it is like it's not just how god acted once but because of god's pattern mm-hmm. of mm. um how he acts and how they were being treated as basically a co- as people who were a commodity to be consumed mm-hmm. in mm. egypt you know, with restless labor mm-hmm. all the time, you know, like the, like their life was just spent to produce. Mm-hmm. You know, God was like, remember remember how I saved you from that? That's why you need, you need to rest. Mm-hmm. Rest is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God wrote it into their laws. And, and so how did we get from that vision, that um, revelation of the sabbath rest to where the pharisees are here today right you know in this chapter that we're reading here because they're clearly saying they've they've put all these other things on there or or they've definitely interpreted that yes in a different way than that vision that you just described because god 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 was trying he was trying to lay out a framework for them of stopping the things of ordinary life, mm. like the things you usually do, uh, which is, and I think it's those things which in Genesis terms would be like the bringing order and subduing and multiplying like activity. And so that could be work. It could be household chores. You know, for them, it, mm. it would be like the, the involved in the regular cycles of farming and you know, tending crops and building things and uh, and getting that work done. And God's like, once a week, you're going to pause mm. those things. But the interesting thing is the Pharisees had a sort of um, a zeal. And there's some, like, goodness to the zeal of, like, man, how close, like, if, if that's what God wants, how closely can we follow it? Mm. Um, so there's some sort of genuine... Right, like care to like really want to be what Yahweh wants, but their way of doing it then is to look for any opportunity to uncover something that could even even reflect work. Mm-hmm. So this would be the equivalent of like, oh, you know, well, I'm a baker, and so you know, on the Sabbath, I'm not going to bake any bread because that's kind of work. And then someone's like. Well, yeah, but what about like when you just bake bread at home? You're like, yeah, yeah, I guess I shouldn't do that either because mm-hmm. that's still kind of like work. And it's like, well, what about, um, you know, making a sandwich? You know, it's like, well, yeah, I guess that's kind of work too. And well, well, what about if like you made the sandwiches already and put them in a tin, but like isn't opening the tin still then also kind of a part of the work? And <laughs> you know, it was like a, th- it was like a, th- a thin end of a wedge kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, where. They, I, and it's kind of interesting because I think God warns his people throughout the Old Testament about the consequences of not resting because it's not something God wants to do to inhibit them, but to protect them. It's like, you need this, so I'm going to enshrine in the laws this thing because it's something you need to survive and thrive. Um, and so actually that's very invitational into something that's going to benefit you but it's almost like their their approach then turns into something that feels a bit more like it's driven by fear of wanting to avoid messing up yeah right so that it's almost like their emotional 
interaction with it, yeah. the, the motivational interaction has sort of shifted. Um, and G- I think Jesus is going to draw that out. Yeah. Um, it, but mm-hmm. it seems that way, even just understanding the history, yeah. and Jesus is going to sort of put a finger on it. So, and, and this is part of what made a Pharisee a Pharisee. Yeah. Like every everyone, I say everyone, like the common people, by and large, like wanted to honor the laws. Mm-hmm. They were really important to them. But the Pharisees, they were like heroes at doing it. Mm-hmm. They were like, they did it so well. Everyone was like, oh man, like I could never do what you do. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, yeah, like they're super, it was like the latest Marvel movie, you know, is like, it's not Black Adam, it's Black Pharisee. That's and his right. superpower is he can keep laws you haven't even thought about keeping. Mm. And he, he can even think of laws you, you would never even have imagined mm. or applications of the law you never would have thought of. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mm. it was sort of really interesting. Um, so, so then for these disciples, they're just on a walk, just hanging out with Jesus. They're not doing it. They're like, it's not a work day. And they're just, they're hungry. It's almost it's almost like opening the the tin and eating the sandwich. Yeah. Like they're doing that sort of level of thing, just like eating what's at hand right in front of them. But from a Pharisee's point of view, it's like, oh, that was harvesting and threshing and preparing grain. That's work. Shouldn't have done that. Right. Um, and yeah. so Jesus, he brings up this notion of, well, look at look at David, um, back, you know, in the day. Uh, pointing back again to their history, right? David and um, his uh, his companions, when they were hungry, um, they go in and they they gave some of that. They ate, um, what's to say, some of the uh, consecrated bread. Yeah. So in the temple, you had some regular fixtures in the furniture of the temple. <laughs> there was an altar. There was a, mm-hmm. a basin for like ceremonial washing. There was a lampstand. There was like lots of one of the things was a table with bread that was a sort of reminder of God's provision mm-hmm. and and the, their history and their relationship with God as provider. So it was like a highly symbolic, important like feature. I think the equivalent for us would be like, oh man, we're we're really like in a high church setting. Like a if you imagine mm-hmm. not just if, if being in a high church was normal for us, a beautiful yeah. building with loads of fixtures, yeah. and, you know, and we were like, man, it's really cold in here. Well, like, let's uh, let's take the cross down and like, it's made of wood. So we'll just, we'll burn that. That'll warm us up. Mm. Right. It would be like, isn't that kind of desecrating something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, Wouldn't isn't that wrong? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So for David to take the showbread because mm-hmm. he and his men with him were actually starving and on the run, like fleeing for their lives mm-hmm. um, is a really interesting scenario because it's one of these, this is where like my time being a philosopher teaching ethics and things. It's like, yeah, what happens when like one moral imperative bumps into right. another, you sometimes have really tough questions and the only way you can sort them out is to figure out what's important about both. So you can actually mm-hmm. compare the right things mm. to make see a judgment. Where they, see where they intersect. Yes. And it, the heart of it is what's God's heart. Yes. And that's mm. what that's Jesus is doing. Yeah. He's provoking them to think like, okay, well, what makes the Sabbath important? And I think, I mean, down the key verse, just skipping down, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life 
or to destroy it. And that's verse nine. And that's really, I think, the, a key point because he's really asking them, what's the heart of it? What is mm-hmm. lawful? Mm-hmm. And getting really at that concept that actually human need is more important than human regulations and rules. Yes. Like mm, that's yes. the heart. That's the thing that he's pointing them back to on it. And he's really just teaching them. Um, yeah. This is mm. what I'm about. And so if you can take your questions and filter them through that truth, you might start to look at me differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can I can imagine their interaction with the... Because th- it was the healing the man with withered hand was another Sabbath thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was another day. So just their interaction with him on the first day with the bread, Jesus mm-hmm. saying this, and then thinking in their heart, like, yeah, but uh, your disciples weren't on the run for your lives and weren't starving. So it's different. Mm. You know, but the question is, it's a great method of teaching Jesus often uses where he's, he helps people see, like, uh, he he points at something in the Old Testament and says, like, you've already got room in your heart to think about this differently. Remember this? And then be like, oh, yeah, I guess it doesn't always have to be. So he does oh, something to kind of open things up mm-hmm. and then leaves them. But he, then he doesn't land the plane, leaves them to, like, Know, it's, like, it's almost like he yeah he creates the possibility of them taking a fresh look mm-hmm. of exploring it mm-hmm. and then you know i love the way luke writes this because you have one because there was probably more conversation and more that happened that day and all these things but luke's telling us enough of like hey jesus creates the possibility of exploring and then with that kind of thought going in the head then how would they have interacted differently on another Sabbath day when Jesus now adds like another piece of the jigsaw, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just, but this is another example of like the way Jesus like step by step guides, doesn't try to complete the whole journey of our formation or realizing something or like the penny dropping for us in one go all the time, which mm-hmm. I think is really beautiful actually, the way that Luke yeah, helps have see the journey there. And that, that Jesus verse is to take 10 is, is that. it's He looked around at them, and in my head, and before he tells the man to stretch out your hand, he, you know, he had just said, posed this question to me. He's kind of, I, I have this vision of him looking around, almost going, do you get it now? Yeah. Do you get it? And then watch this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because now I'm going to really demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how Luke, le- just I'm thinking back towards what we studied already in Luke and just kind of how he brings us through, like what you were saying, Richard, um, you know, Jesus bursts on the scene and he does, he calls his disciples and he does some miracles and he's like causing a ruckus, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then just to kind of get everyone's attention as far as you know, a lot of other reasons. But then he, when the questions come, he reveals God's heart. Um, so it's like this build billboard of, of things happening, but then he brings them right to, mm-hmm. to what's God's heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does that early and he does that often, mm-hmm. um, training them to, um, to start with that. And yeah. I think that's a good it's lesson like that's, for us. It's, uh, teaching them like, that's the key that unlocks so many questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm. I guess for us, reading this is sort of, there's one level at which this ought to provoke us to think about the Sabbath. That's a good thing. Sure. But also, it ought to provoke us to check whether we have anything in us that's like, oh, 
well, I'm glad Jesus sorted all this out. Like, thank God that now, like, I'm not like this at all and don't need to be challenged to re-examine my norms, my habits, mm. my my motivations. Like, yeah, that's that reeks mm-hmm. of a dangerous kind of pride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it ought to make us realize, like, wow, I bet Jesus still has a lot. Like, this is something Jesus continually seems to need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's that new wineskin, old wineskin thing. Right. It's like we're, we've seen, and we talked about this a bit last time, like for some good reasons, because we try to build stability and order and structure. And a lot of the way we do that is to try to institute things and give things um, like a, a place, like to create traditions around things and, and habits around things. But one of the dynamics of that is we build old wineskins. And that's not mm-hmm, wrong. Mm-hmm. Building wineskins is a good thing. Jesus is just saying like that as things, you know, a- as he c- continually wants to do things, we have to also be willing to ex- adopt new wineskins. You know, so it's, there's a sort of interesting yeah. thing going on here. It, it really reminds me of um, like Israel's history mm. and how God told them, hey, you're going to be a nation radically different than all the nations around you and actually a lot of those differences were shaped by people who were refugees rescued from slavery like and and having been recipients of salvation and mercy and you know god's power Mm. and things like that 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 was going to shape how they then treated the other nations Mm. so all like the god's heart thing again Mm -hmm. like was to Mm -hmm. shape them but over and over again, God is having to talk to his people and effectively say, my dudes, you look like the nations around you again rather than what I told you to look like. Mm. Like co- constantly... Um, Calling them out, really. Yeah, like, like, str- like struggling to take their cues from the right place. They're, mm. Adopt, mm. they're becoming yeah. chameleons. Yes, and then, that's it. Yeah, and then turning yeah. into reflecting their environment um, and i think this is part of that old wineskin dynamic we have to realize it's just a part of being a broken human in a broken yeah. world mm-hmm. is as we create traditions and order and habits and institutions and things like this like even as people who are following jesus and doing our best the likelihood is god's gonna have to come and say like you've got some really good ingredients well, we but there's a, there's a bit of the other nations which is in here we need to new wineskin this again, yeah. like co- constantly having to refine, because uh, it, it's sort of like two things are happening. Like God's kingdom is pushing out, changing us to be more like Jesus, yeah. bringing His kingdom. You know, creating kingdom culture where like Jesus' spirit and people are, but also the world is trying to infiltrate and corrupt, and we know the kingdom's going to win. Yeah. We know like our destiny in becoming like Jesus, like Jesus is his return and taking us to be with him. We'll complete that journey. Like we know what's going to win, but in the interplay, the wrestling between them along the journey, it's like the, what's happening with God's people is continuing now to play out with the Pharisees. And it should make us just think like, I want to keep asking Jesus, is there an old wineskin? Does there need to be a new one? Is there something I think matters and you want to say, not the way you think it does? 
or not for the reason you think it does, or, you know, just to sort of yeah. invite that. This, this chapter really makes me think of, especially when, because we're going to get to the Beatitudes in a moment, well, which is like truth bombs that yeah. set off questions mm -hmm. for everyone yeah. in throughout all of history. Yes. Well, so before we get to the Beatitudes, Mike, just kind of continuing with this old new wineskin thing, is that why do you think this account of the apostles is in here? Because that's why I was... Uh, in in reflecting on it, if he's basically talking about the, you know, really he's challenging the Pharisees and the tradition that's set in, and and really the Pharisees are, you know, have taken on a responsibility for, you know, promoting kind of God's law and following God, and he's saying, no, you've kind of missed the heart of it, and so now he introduces this new wineskin in sort of the form of these apostles yeah. are... The way Luke tells the story, it's almost like a changing of the guard yeah. moment, isn't that's it? A, that's yeah. what I'm... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, enter lay people. Here we have yeah. the Pharisees, and then here are the lay people coming in, being called um, the 12 apostles. Yeah. yeah, and what a weird bunch they are. Yeah, but we talked a bit about some of them last week. Yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> um, yeah. But it is... And, that's where I almost wish the big number six came in verse 12 because it is like yeah. the tensions built. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we get like a new scene yeah. of like uh, Jesus saying, hey, I've chosen some people. This is how we're going to move this thing yeah. forward through these people. And then um, like we, we get one of these moments when Luke's, he's kind of action-packed, mm. like but thematically action-packed. Like mm. you get a lot of action about this, action about this like little fast-paced parables that are happening in the midst of action. And then we get like a, okay. Just information Je Jesus here. Jesus now wanted to... Bless you. Bless you. He wanted a tissue because mm. he, he actually <laughs> had allergies. Sneezing he, on a podcast. But he we're wanted talking about to, bless um, you, so we're getting yeah. into the Beatitudes. <laughs> but he wants to lay out a framework, which yeah. is actually another like, what's Jesus' strategy? Because if mm. this is how mm. Jesus operates, I want to look for that in my own life. One of the other, like Jesus challenges, he provokes, he gets us to like mm. see things differently, ask questions of our circumstances differently. But Jesus also lays out some frameworks within which the exploration can be fruitful. Mm. And, um, and so I think like that's sort of like a meta thing, like stepping back from what's happening and mm. drawing another lesson of like, oh, so, you know, what mm. would it look like for me to... I don't know, constantly have interactions, like allow interactions that are the challenges, but also have interactions which are the kind of, yeah, I want to um, have those spaces, those regular spaces where the framework is constantly being put in front of me so that when the next challenge comes, it's situated. And I think for us, that would be like, um, you know, like that biblical theological literacy of like having having okay. the, having the bible in us having jesus's teachings having some of the key things god reveals knowing the story of god because a lot of these things is jesus saying like here's a big picture here's some important values you know con constantly okay. wanting to make sure we're sort of getting those things and we get that a little bit like, like yeah. reading our bible studying the bible together mm -hmm. like through God uses his church to do that. So like our interaction with our church and yeah, so it's a, I know it's sort of like there's a meta lesson in yeah. all of these things as well. Yeah. But because 
we're going to be reading half of chapter six. The meta is probably not like the big thing we're going to catch this right, week. It's probably right, going right. to be more in the details of the actual mm-hmm, framework mm-hmm. Jesus lays out. So, um, so the, I just so, wanna, so now the teaching. So yeah. I mean, just to look at like the framework that the Pharisees were looking through was the law. Right. Mm. And mm. Jesus isn't. And by ref- law, we mean first five the, books uh, of the Bible. Yes, yes. But because their culture had radically changed, mm-hmm. they'd also written like commentaries on the law, which were a kind of, hey, we read the Torah ceremonially and revere it. But when you want to know, like, okay, but what do I do? Where do I take my cues? The people were probably more familiar with some of these kind of commentaries. Yeah. And so. Yeah, when we say law, it, it was like, yeah, the Torah through the lens of, of yeah. the, the, the Talmud. Additions and, by yeah. the Pharisees, but yeah. with the, the focus being really the Ten Commandments and everything that came out yeah, of that. Something the addition, yeah. central things. the way of living by in in the Jewish tradition. And yeah. so they're they're living in this way it's very like the mandalorian this is the, the law, way this is their way <laughs> walking it now it's yeah. it went from god's way to their way yeah and so come here comes jesus laying out the blessings and the woes through the beatitudes um revealing another layer of the his kingdom way yeah. of living and this was so controversial. This was just turned everything they knew upside yeah. down. And do you know what? Mm. I, the amazing thing about the Beatitudes, especially all, all of Jesus' teaching, <coughs> is amazing. <coughs> I'm choking up. It's it's not like um, yeah, but <laughs> I think the Beatitudes is starkly controversial, not just for them, but for so much human culture throughout history. Yes. It's yeah. so like different set of values different set of dynamics uh, it really shows that um what jesus is coming to earth and teaching and revealing about god god's heart mm, god's way mm. is not just because this set of jews in the first century have got it wrong but because humanity has a bent to get it wrong in some very specific ways so the beatitudes very i think are really amazing from that point of view and it's also like who's listening so I love the scene mm-hmm. of like the, scene, the yes. Pharisees, they're wrestling, they're questioning, mm. but then you have a set of people listening. And so you've there's been the changing of the guard, new disciples, and then you've got a multitude from like Judea and Jerusalem, but also the coast, Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. Like Gentile, that's like Gentile merchant regions, you know, like, so you've got the mixture of people and they come to be healed. They're people who've had unclean spirits, like the diseased. Like these are the people who ought not to be going and listening to a rabbi. And it is a giant <laughs> so crowd. And yeah. They're all they're situated on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, up on this. Mm. Stephen, I've been there. I mean, it's you just picture just like thousands of people there listening. Yeah. Um, and he says these words. So we we should uh, skate through a little of these of to draw out some of the like what's the surprise in here? Because um, so they're, they're uh, almost like little short sayings, and each one mm-hmm. you can noodle on for quite yeah. a long time, right? Yeah. So just one question I, I had, just and in, in, you know, sometimes we think of this, hey, the Sermon on the Mount, et cetera, which we know from Matthew. And so how should we read the two of these together? Because mm-hmm. they're n- there's different information and some yes. left out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so maybe just a clear, 
clarify that. Yeah, so if I was to say, like, did you hear the sermon on Sunday? Right. Then you'd be like, oh, yeah, Tim made these four points. It was like, um, the, so the way we think of that, um, I think when the gospel authors are talking about, like, here's uh, the Sermon on the Mount wasn't a sermon in that sense. Right. But it was a pattern of teaching that Jesus delivered to crowds mm. as he traveled around. Mm -hmm. So we're getting given a, a picture of that scene. And <clears throat> and Luke is sort of, uh, this would be more like the question of like, hey, did you go to church for the Becoming Like Jesus series? What was it about? And we're like, oh yeah, like, you know, we as a church, we talked about this and this and this and this. And like in some different places in some different ways. And you might not, it, you know, it, you're not trying to tell the story of the detail of exactly what it was said and how it was said right. that Sunday. And so, yeah, all, and this was a normal thing in the ancient world mm. to, to kind of write this way to give mm -hmm. um, more condensed um, and sort of prepackaged in a way that's like, hey, because of the things I've shown you about what Jesus mm. did, it's almost like the author's, you know, being inspired by the Spirit, but kind of thinking like, okay, so I've told them like, you know, they've been guided in their heart, yeah. like, oh, yeah, show them, like, Jesus did this and this, and look how he's affecting people. And, like, oh, like, while I'm telling them that, I need to tell them, like, these things Jesus taught, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a whole package, like, oh, yeah, that one time he said that and this and this. And and for the disciples, they, these are things they would have heard over and over and over again. Right. You know, Jesus would have said these things lots of times. So because each author in each gospel is... Um, different purpose yeah they're, different. They're, they're sort of being led in their reminiscing yeah about jesus like by the spirit in a different way because they're thinking of like different people they're writing to and maybe the mm. spirit's provoking in them like different reasons to write mm. to them absolutely like some different stuff is coming up and yeah. so um i, I always think yeah it's, it, th th we can't read too much into Oh, did Jesus say this first and then this? Because in Matthew, it seems like it was the other way around. Ah, what's going on? Yeah. Like, nah, that shouldn't worry. But there probably is a reason Matthew, given what he's trying to show you about the way Jesus affected him, what he yeah. saw of Jesus, there's something to this following this that reveals something. Yeah. And in Luke, there may be another thing that in another time and from another angle, mm -hmm. there was something else to see. Just a different facet of the yes. same message. I, always, I think of it sometimes when I come to these, I the simplest way, you know, I try to think really simply, but I almost think of if you're standing on the opposite side of the road of somebody and a car goes by, one person will say the car went left to right, the other person yeah. say the car went right to left. Um, like, no, it's the same event. Yeah. But you have a different perspective on yeah. that. That's a great way of looking at yeah. it. I love so. that. Yeah. And so these Beatitudes, mm. these are some of my favorite bits of Luke. Yeah. Uh, and not just mm -hmm. the Beatitudes, but especially, i philosopher, love being provocative. Mm. So this is like yes. Jesus is just throwing stuff out here that's like, what, what now? So I love this. Mm -hmm. So like the, the first one, blessed are you who are poor because yours is the kingdom of God. Yeah. So prevailing view in Judaism at this time was that you could tell whether you were blessed. You could tell whether you were really like part of God's plan if you were affluent, wealthy, secure, yeah, what your life looks central like, to the life of society, us, right. like all of these right. things, right? Mm -hmm. And 
We don't do that today, do we? Not at all. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, is that true of so many cultures? Like, yeah. I mean, it's true of nearly every culture. Yeah. And, and even the word blessed here, uh, uh, blessed are you who are poor, it's not just you who don't have much money, but like a really good translation of that word would be you who are beggarly. Yeah. Who Destitute. And so it's actually, it's not just about your circumstances. It's a word that points to like the way you see yourself, an identity statement. Uh-huh. Like I view myself, if, if I'm this kind of poor, like I'm the sort of person who knows I have to beg and mm. have, have decided I will beg. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how I situate myself in the world before God and with others. I, like, I just have this attitude of I am in need. And then Jesus points at that person where not just Judaism, but culture, our culture as well, would say, if you're in that state, that, that shows you've failed. And you've probably failed if you had the religious overtones because God's not with you. Mm-hmm. So this is like, because we sometimes use this phrase like upside down kingdom, like the mm-hmm. kingdom of God is yeah. upside down yeah, kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Because it seems like its values, its way of prioritizing things are so topsy turvy to sure. our cultural values, like our cultural values and their centuries, like the Greco Roman and Jewish. And probably throughout values. all history. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is like, wow, that is prof- like, and it's one of those things like I can understand. Like, okay, I've analyzed that, that sentence. I've yeah. understood that sentence. Yeah. That's great. Thank you very much. Let's move on to the next one. We just got to stop for a second. This is why reading this passage every day mm-hmm. could be so good for us. Because yeah. so if you've good. understood it on Monday, great. On mm. Tuesday, then you can be like, do I really think that? Mm-hmm. Do I do I actually see people who have this attitude of beggarliness and think, man, you are so blessed. Like God will be so for you. God is so in your corner. Mm-hmm. And do I reflect on myself and think, I need that attitude. How can I get that attitude? Mm. Like that, because now the rubber's meeting the road, right? Because that's actually, because Jesus is teaching these things because these values throughout the rest of the Beatitudes will unlock the understanding of why mm. that treating the Sabbath that way is the right thing. Why healing that way is the right thing. Why having dinner with those people is the right thing. Like the, the, these are the, the truths we need actually to internalize, to be able to like go to one of Jesus's dinner parties and feel as comfortable as Jesus did or, you know, all the rest of those things, right? The yours is the kingdom of God. He's basically saying, you get a kingdom. You get God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. You're part of yeah. this kingdom. You participate. There's ownership. And and the, not only just a kingdom, but the kingdom of God. And it reminds me a little bit of the scene back when Jesus was tempted by Satan. And Satan basically showing him the world and saying, yeah. this can all be yours. Yeah. And now Jesus is saying it's about the kingdom of God, which is so much bigger. It's the kingdom that Mm -hmm. matters. Um, So anyway, yeah, we should actually. That's worth unpacking a bit Mm because it's that's a another like alien concept Mm -hmm. from the Bible for our culture, right? Yes, yes. So it it all goes back to like the whole storyline of the Bible. Like 
God establishes himself in the beginning of Genesis as this provider God who's like in charge of everything, like the architect of everything. Mm -hmm. So he's the ultimate king, but he invites humans and says, you're going to rule with me. So he actually establishes them on a throne. And then we have the fall happens. And it's actually like this spiritual being, you know, the, the, the serpent kind of usurps the, the, dyna- the power mm. dynamic, the authority dynamic, the ruling yes. dynamic from what it's supposed to be. And then God says the fallout of that is now you're trying to do the thing you're made for. Rule is going to be painful and mm-hmm. hard and mm-hmm. opposed and you know, all of these things. And then we kind of fast forward through God trying to like restore and redeem the situation. God promises. He's like, I'm actually going to be the king and you will rule in the way you're supposed to. And the things that are in the way will get dealt mm-hmm. with. Like the mm-hmm. serpent will, mm-hmm. will be dealt with. And I'm actually going to send an anointed one. Like there's a king is going to come. And you get these kind of pictures of this that shoot forward from like, they're, they're kind of looking for this, looking for who's that person who will restore reigning will restore authority or restore the power. Jews were looking the this was their to now messiah yeah. of, so and they looked all the way that. through like mm-hmm. all the way through history it's like mm-hmm. is it david oh mm-hmm. it's not david yes but david's a bit of the pattern revealing like how you can recognize yeah. is it mm-hmm. solomon oh, no, no it's not solomon no. like so over and over again yeah. yes and then yeah so when jesus comes and he's saying like the kingdom of god's here yes. he's effectively saying hey that thing that all humanity all creation through all of history since the garden has been, been waiting, waiting for, for, for like, when's it going to be restored? When's God going to come? Because God's like been working, redeeming, making pockets of kingdomishness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just in Israel, but like there's Bible stories about like the way God's working with Gentiles and, yeah. and kings of other nations yes. and other places. So God's doing that work, but it's going to culminate in God at a certain mm-hmm. point coming to sort of put a stake in the ground. Well, I say a stake in the ground a stake in the serpent mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. going to mm-hmm. change the, the trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus is is now saying, for yours is the kingdom of God, it's like he's he's been walking around saying like, hey, the kingdom of God's here. Repent, the kingdom is at hand, yeah. right? And people are like, oh, it's about to happen. And so the next question is like, well, who, who's going to join in? Who's going to do the ruling? Who's yeah. going to be like the next who's Adam the and Eve? Who who's are the, the partners? Yeah. Yeah. So oh. who are the, who's the king? And then yeah. who are like the nobles? It's the poor. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, it's the poor. It's the, the poor. least likely yeah. people. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Uh, the, the, the beggarly, like the ones who have, have like emptied themselves mm-hmm. of entitlement, mm. of self-sufficiency, of... All of these things. And actually, this, well, and this theme continues in the next it, line. It isn't, you know, so going back to the garden analogy, like the, the, the lie was to not be poor, you know, mm-hmm. of the serpent was mm-hmm. no, to kind of, you exactly. can do it on your own to yes. not be poor. Yeah. Um, and so he's God, just turning this upside down yeah. entirely yeah. here. Well, and the way, I mean, this is kind of pr- profound mirroring of what was the state well, actually, just like get this in the right order, right? So mm. uh, this thought, <laughs> like the next thing, like blessed are you who are hungry now because mm-hmm. yeah. you'll be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so those who are like re- the recognition of their emptiness, yeah. the recognition of their need again, those yeah. of you who weep now, who aren't trying to like live in escapism, 
or hedonism mm. or a whole bunch of other isms, but like who actually recognize like this bit of life right mm. here, right mm. now, like this beauty and this purpose mm. and the goodness, but it's also this brokenness and there's this grief and there's things to weep over right mm. now. Like we haven't arrived. So if you're living in a sense of like, this is amazing, we've arrived. Like, no, you're actually wrong. And you're not the sort of person who will be able to rule in yeah. the kingdom. And so those sorts of attitudes, like poor, hungry, needy, weeping, what was the state of mind that the spirit drove Jesus towards before he did battle with the enemy mm. in the wilderness? Mm. Oh, yeah, a state Starving, of mind of hungry, Starving, hungry, yeah. needy, needy, weeping. Yeah, like Jesus so cool. embodied these things. He, he showed them. And in. then confronted the enemy. And yeah. in that state was victorious but isn't it interesting because you say we talk about that that temptation because that verse um the end of verse 19 says because power was coming from him and we see it when yeah. he leaves Back when the he temptation mm-hmm. you know he was empowered yeah. by the spirit and in being full of the spirit as he goes into the yeah into temptation. But it, it translates to to people too because what yeah. i just keep coming back to is like um it earlier, just even in Luke 5, you know, when he's doing these miracles, this is the state of mind of the people who were coming to him. Um, they recognized their need. They were the people who were hungry for, for Jesus's healing. They were the people who were poor. They yeah. were crying about their their afflictions. Um, and then he healed them. And so it's like he did the healing and... Um, because they believed he could. And now just a few paragraphs later in Luke, a chapter later, he explains it. Like these people, I mean, it's so much more in Beatitudes, but I just see this already reflected, not only in the garden, not only in in the chapter on the temptation, but but also just right here yeah. mm-hmm. um, in the order in which yeah. he heals and, and then explains um, how, how rich these people are in their afflictions. Yes. Yeah. And, and wasn't... Um even in calling of Simon, calling mm-hmm. of Peter, when Peter says, get away from me, <laughs> you know, I'm a sinful man. Yes. Um, and it's what an was expression of that, po- that is poverty. An exactly, yes. this expression yes. of... The, Such it's, a theme, It's not it? that... How did... Uh, what was the quote we, we discussed last Sunday? Peter's acknowledgement of his sinful nature didn't disqualify him. It was a prerequisite yes. mm-hmm. for yes. him. That and, and that's exactly kind of what's he's saying here. It's like, no, until you kind of get there. Yeah, yeah. Again, mm-hmm. uh, talking about... He, he, he's teaching first the Pharisees about his our heart attitude, but then he's going to this theme of, of the heart attitude of the people who he will bless. Mm-hmm. This is a mm-hmm. heart attitude that he's mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. all along that is... Is, is affirmed in the way they behave and speak to Jesus. Yes, yeah. Mm. And well, and I think it's important to, there's a, it's a heart attitude, but it's a heart attitude that led to different actions and words as well. Yes. Because sometimes in the West, we're yes. like, if your heart's it's right, that's way. all good. Yeah, no. It's like, yeah, but Mm-mm. if your heart's one way and your actions are another, your heart's still not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, what last week, you know, how Tim was teaching about that, you know, being humble mm. um, and, being obedient um it's a heart attitude and it's actions yes. it's both and yes. um produces and then, so then we get fruit. some woes and well, the woes well, are well, like the flip side of the yeah. less so it's like actually there's 
I feel like there's so much variety, there's so much nuance, but actually there's one big idea in the Beatitudes yeah. as well. And the woes help bring that into focus. Yeah. So that's kind of going on. Because yeah. I'm just aware we could go... It's so we much. could do a podcast on each line. Yes, we well, the the one question I, I have, um, and sorry, <laughs> but I can't get this out of my head. This notion of like, let it go, uh, let it go, uh, Steve. But going back, <laughs> you cannot let it go. I can't, I can't. No, this the blessed, the word blessed, and I, oh yeah. And, and as we're talking about this, I, I sort of see this, you know, going back to the garden as well. Very early, this notion of flourishing. Mm-hmm. You know, when he, God's calling us into this, it, commissioning us to be part of his kingdom, yeah. to um, to have that, this description of flourishing. Yeah, what does it mean um, to be blessed? Yeah, that's so... Because yeah. it's, so, yeah, like, you know, Instagram photo yeah. at my cool coffee shop, hashtag mm-hmm. blessed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> does blessed mean people want to be like me? Yeah. Does blessed uh-huh. mean um, I get to have the things I want? Yeah. Does yeah. blessed, like, yeah. Like or blessed is it living is, into is who you were created things. to be? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, and I that's it. It's, I mean, th- I'm glad we had the kingdom of God chat because that frames mm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. there, there was a purpose, an identity, a design for humanity. And that being in that place is what blessed is. Yeah. Like living in that way is what blessed is. And it comes with a relationship with God, with creation, with self, with others. It's thriving in this multifaceted way. Um, And it's not that sense of like, oh, I I got what I wanted for Christmas. I'm blessed. It's Mm -hmm. not getting Mm -hmm. what you want. It's getting what you're designed Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so... And and that sense, it's the sense of like being what you're designed to be and functioning as you're designed to be as much as it is also like we're designed to be partners. So it's also receiving. Mm. So there is an element of like I'm blessed because mm-hmm. like God's for me, but it's much bigger than just is God on my side. That's sort of like is God going to provide for me? Is mm. God going to that's, – that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of it is also about like identity and purpose mm-hmm. and some of those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, mm. that's a good – okay, we're glad yeah. you didn't let yes, it go. Yes, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last bit we're going to read then. Do you want to um, talk about the woes? I'm sorry. No, I just – I said they're like the flip side of the blessed. Okay. They help bring the same idea into focus. Okay, okay. And I was looking at the fact that we've been talking for 55 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Thinking, Oh, that's too long. If yeah. you're still listening, I mean, what, there's Thank no you. one still listening. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone out there? <laughs> but then mm-hmm. um, there's a love your enemies kind yeah. of section. So, uh, and so you can see how Luke has been building like agent provocateur, mm-hmm. new wineskin, rethink, challenge. Whoa, what do I do with the Beatitudes? Like lay out a big picture vision of that. And then Luke pulls from Jesus's teaching, like some specific issues that actually show the beatitude person at work in a in like a challenge, uh, like a question. Who do I love? Mm. How do I treat my friends and my enemies? It's going to go on. Yeah. So much about how I treat others. And so, um, yeah, the, the love your enemies enemies bit here is another one of those um, shocks of. Um, yeah, it just, I mean, can you imagine like the go. first time Jesus came out with this, the disciples listening, like, hey, let me talk to you about how to treat your enemies. And everyone just having such a well-trodden path of how They're we like, feel oh, about yeah. our enemies. <laughs> and Jesus is like, hey, like, pray for them. 
forgive them, bless them, give to them, be generous to them. I think they're going, everyone will be like, what? That, like, just what, like one of those moments when you're reading a book yeah. and you're like, do you know what? My mind's been elsewhere for a few pages. I don't think I know what's going on. Like backtracking. <laughs> yeah. Like they must have just had that experience of like, what, what's mm. going on? This is so bizarre. Yeah. Given everything about how I react, how I feel, like what happens in relationship when someone enemies me, when someone's like hurts me, abuses me, takes from me. Uh, you know, this is... Mm. I, I I have a hard... I, it's like this becomes an aspiration that feels so far away from me. I have a hard time even imagining what the version of me would be like and feel like who genuinely had these reactions to yeah. people enemying me. This is so challenging. I mean, immediately impossible, right? When you yes. hear it. Like, and, and, it can't and, be done. And when you fast forward, mm-hmm. like Jesus is on the cross with the crowd of people who are listening to him now, yes. having chanted crucify him, yeah. saying forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So Jesus embodies this. Such a model for it. Right? And that's one of the beautiful things, actually, the way Jesus was and the way the gospel authors saw that and make sure to capture Mm. that is Jesus embodies the things he teaches. Yeah, so this this is amazing. This is one that's like there's an abstract truth here to take away, but um, which guides, helps shape our values. But then there's the kind of prayer where you're like, okay, Jesus, who are the people in my life right now that I don't like very much or I'm hurt by or I'm having a hard time with? And then read this passage again and every time it says enemy or person who abused you or say their name. Mm. You know, and just, wow. you know, that that's the challenge with meat on the bones <laughs> of what Jesus is saying. Yeah. And I, I, th- I can't imagine any of us doing that and not just having to say, "Okay, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm, I'm so far from, you know, I your your this. way of being." Yeah. Which, which again, I don't think Jesus does that to condemn us and show us I'm an enemy. I'm not yeah. blessed, but to show us actually, I need a new wineskin. Yeah. I need new wineskinning again, Jesus. And, and almost like in, you'll do it. Jesus might do something. You might experience God empowering you to treat that person and have an attitude towards that person that's now transformed. And then next week it'll be someone else and you'll need new wineskinning again. Mm. Yes. So the, 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 And that's kind of the storyline of how we interact with so much of this stuff. It's not like, I got it. Okay, good. Like, glad next, I sorted that. No, right. we don't do that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not the dynamic. Yeah, that's a. This has always been one of those for me personally. It's just, it just continues to linger out there. Yeah, you know, for me, and yeah. it, it just a challenge for me. Like, what does that really look like practically in my life? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's. I mean, we've got people. All of us have people that we don't like have really hurt us. Um, have wronged us, um, uh, completely treated us unjustly, um, mm-hmm. and and sadly, I think uh, sometimes you know maybe I'm that person to somebody else too. Yeah, and um, like we kind of want that. Yeah, you know, and 
Well, that because that is the flip side of like, yeah. what if people I hurt treated me this way? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like, exactly mm-hmm. right. Well, I and, need and the twi- and the twist on this is this is I know you got some thoughts on this. Like this oh. finishes with then you'll be children of the Most High. Be merciful as yeah. your Father is merciful. Yeah. So what Jesus is saying here is not you do this, but He's like you do this because this is what I do, yeah. and I do it because this is actually the way the Father loves people. Yeah. Like this is what the Father's like. And this is how we do it in our family. And you yeah. can be part of this yeah. family. And you, you are this. children yes. of God. Yeah. I love how yeah. he just brings that family yeah. in. Because yeah. immediately when you're thinking of people who've wronged you, I mean, a lot of us, are we're thinking of family members, actually. Yeah. Relationships close to us it's yeah. in this day and age, and probably always, are sometimes our most difficult relationships are with family. And yeah. then he brings that family language in. Um so yeah, it's and, and, powerful. and it, it reflects. It's a challenge for us, but it's also revealing how the Father and Jesus are towards us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as much mm-hmm. as we can insert our enemy's name in this and read it, mm-hmm. yeah. we can insert our own. Yeah. So we can yeah. read it as like God, when I curse you, you bless me. When I am abusive, when I hurt you, when I pain you, you pray for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Where when, I, where when I take from you, you're generous to me. Mm-hmm. Like, th- actually, this mm-hmm. is the Father's heart. And I think there's so much in that dynamic about the fuel to be this. Like, the, the root of being transformed to become this set of attitudes and actions mm. is receiving them first. That's mm-hmm. why, like those those pattern, like Ephesians, where it talks about how the love of God mm-hmm. is like the 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 root of all actual change in us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not just vaguely understanding we're loved, but it's mm-hmm. as we receive these things in re- as we appropriate the reception of these things to us in tangible ways mm-hmm. that enables the transformation well because now it's authentic it, it's experiential we've we've been through it ourselves in a yeah. very personal and particular way with the lord so that now we can reflect it um, into other people who don't know god but yeah. can experience him through us yeah well that's pretty long i think we should call it there you should be thankful we're not doing the whole of chapter six because you guys would need quite a few car journeys to listen to the podcast. So that's it Thank for this you week. For hanging in. Yes. Yeah, for Thank all you for one listening. of you who's still hanging yeah, out. Yeah, if you <laughs> stuck with all of it uh, or paused six times to get through this. But there's so much good. This yeah. is like a favorite chapter of mine in Luke yeah. as well. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, keep reading and it'll be um, the rest of this chapter. We'll carry on the story next time. Take Thanks care. for being with us. Awesome. 